Well, let's preach. Anybody want to hear something that inspire you and help you? Yeah. Glory to God. I'm excited to come today. This has been stirring around in me for a couple, three days and uh, or longer. And and uh, then you, you get like full of it. You have to you have to put it out there or I start preaching to Scarlet here. I always said, you know, my wife gets the sermon three times. At home, maybe four times. At home, in the car on the way to church, at the service, and after the service. So she gets it, you know, four ways. Amen. I'm going to preach on the spirit of fear versus... Everybody likes a good fight, right? The Bible talks about fight the fight of faith. The spirit of fear versus the spirit of faith. I actually wrote it down on the bulletin wrong because Brother Hagin used to say, always, if you're talking about two opposite things, always end on the positive. Mention the negative first and then end on the positive. For example, if you go to the doctor and you got a bad report, a lot of people will say, well, I believe in God, but the doctor said, and he said, so your last thought is what the doctor said. He said, if you have to report what the doctor said, say that first and then say what the Word of God says and you'll remember that the most. It's really true. It's a little, it's a little, you might say a trick or a gimmick or a switch, but it really is uh, a tool, I think, in our arsenal of, of, uh, you know, keeping our minds quiet. Amen. And on the Lord and on the Word and putting the emphasis there. Hallelujah. And uh, so I, I have it in the bulletin, the spirit of faith versus the spirit of fear. But uh, I regret that. I wish I, it said the spirit of fear versus the spirit of faith. So let's look at the spirit of fear first. And I'm going to explain what that is. Um, let's look at Second Timothy 1.7. And... Uh, See what the word says there, amen, about the spirit of fear, all right? Second Timothy 1 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now, there is the spirit of fear uh, listed just openly. Well, if God hasn't given it to us, where does it come from? Well, we know that Satan's the author of fear. He's the author of everything dark and bad and evil. Fear can come to us just naturally too, because instinctively we have fear. And, and there's a side of fear in our life that's good. For example, you should fear the traffic if you're crossing the street. <laughs> you should have a, a, Fear there meaning I respect, I respect the force of what's, what could come against me. Amen. Or if you, if you're walking through the woods and you encounter a nice big fat eastern diamondback rattler, you might want to have a healthy fear of that snake. In other words, uh, not where you're paralyzed from the fear, but that you have a respect of it. Amen. 
And so in that sense, when we talk about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's a reverential fear. Uh, so we get the, we get the kind of fear that's being discussed here in, in, in second Timothy, sometimes confused with reverential fear. Amen. So we need to, we need to, uh, have a healthy fear of, uh, the law and, and following the law. Amen. And that if we don't, that there could be consequences unless you live in Portland and then nobody cares. But, uh, but, uh, uh, normal places. Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, we have a healthy fear, amen, of, of the law or a healthy fear of cheating on our taxes or something like that. Amen. We should, the, Christ, the Christian should, should never be tempted to do something like that. But I'm just saying, naturally speaking, we have a fear, like I said, of the traffic, of a train on a track coming at you or whatever. So, uh, if you don't explain, I know I'm preaching to the choir here and everybody here gets it. But if you, in, in teaching these things, if you don't explain the obvious, it'll be the obvious that somebody trips up on. And so the word fear in itself is not necessarily a bad word. It just means how is it applied? Well, when we shouldn't fear anything, that the Word says, I'll just put it this way to keep it clear, we shouldn't fear anything that the Word says that Jesus has already overcome. Amen? And believe it or not, that includes fear of death itself. You know, we don't have to go through life being afraid we're going to die. I got news for you. If Jesus tarries, we're all going to die. That's just crazy. But people become gripped with fear of, oh, you know, they become almost, almost confined to their house where they want to, don't want to even go out in public or go anywhere or do anything because they're so afraid that something might happen to them. And of course, as we age and, and things, uh, there might be some limitations and might not be wise to, you know, if you're told you shouldn't be driving and maybe you shouldn't be and that kind of thing, okay? But uh, you don't want to become so afraid of, of something happening to you that, that you literally, um, you, you, almost, you almost get psychotic about it. You know, like, and I've seen this with people. Uh, they get to where they're afraid to leave their, their room. We found out, uh, we found out when we were at the other location and there were a lot of, uh, of uh, homeless people, you know, around on the church, in talking to some of those people, we found out they're afraid of going inside a building. They they have they they're they're afraid to go inside anywhere. We would sometimes invite them in, you know, to come to church, and they would they would tell me, um, Pastor, you know, with all due respect, uh, I'm sure it's great. I, I'm afraid to go inside. I don't go inside anywhere. And so that's that's. Uh, that's a, that's, that's not good. That's an unhealthy fear. And in fact, it's psychotic. It's, there's something wrong with it. You understand that? It's, it's like mental illness. So fear can, can, fear is the beginning, I believe, of all mental illness. I think that mental illness starts with fears that grow and be, and, and it's unreasonable. You know it's unreasonable, but then you just keep dwelling on it and pretty soon it grips you. It takes you over. You can become a hypochondriac. 
we knew a man, uh, I'll be careful, uh, to identify this person, but my dad was, my dad was a state overseer and he had uh, a couple of different states and, um, he had a pastor that he had known and was appointed. This guy was the picture of health. I mean, he was in his thirties. He was, uh, handsome. You know, he had a beautiful wife and daughter and, and, uh, pastors and, and, and ministers. And he started having this thought. First, it's a thought. And then it becomes this fear that he had something severely wrong with him. There's, there's something on the in, internally wrong with me. Well, he had money. He was kind of a trust fund person and he had money, um, outside of, you know, ministry. And so he, he was quite well off, in fact. And he went, this is back in the sixties. He went to his doctor and said, I'll pay you to do exploratory surgery and open me up and see what's wrong with me. Something inside is wrong. So, believe it or not, the doctor agreed, and they did exploratory surgery. You know, one of those, the old 60s type style where, you know, they'd open you up from stem to stern, they said, you know. And uh, they said, well, the, the bad news is there's nothing wrong with you. We looked at every vital organ. We looked, your heart is healthy. Your colon is clean. Your, your lungs are strong. Your kidneys are perfect. Your liver. And he was disappointed because he was so sure that something was wrong with him. He said, I think you've come to the wrong kind of doctor. In other words, it's in your head, buddy. But I'll tell you what, it can be in not only in your head, but it can be in your heart or in your soul, uh, and bleeding into your spirit to where you're just gripped with an unreasonable fear. Now, I don't know, you know, Scarlett's the great, uh, certified counselor here, but there's gotta be some, you know, clinical diagnosis here. And so when you get into, the, I'm getting into the weeds on this a little bit, but I'm telling you, that is what the Bible's talking about, the spirit of fear is. And, you know, sometimes we see that spirit of fear. It's like fear has shown up, you know, like Frankenstein in your bedroom. I am fear. It's not talking about an entity per se of fear, but a spirit or an attitude or a mentality of fear. And you can have unreasonable things that come against you. And no matter what word is preached to you, what scripture is shown to you, what hands are laid upon you, what anointing has hit you or whatever, if you don't change that, you're in trouble. Can I get an amen? Is anybody interested in this at all? Should we just play tiddlywinks and go home? Uh I told you one time I was preaching away on something that I was enthralled with the idea of it and uh on a Wednesday night and and uh a lady w- was visiting us from California and she was sitting on the front row and and I and it was going on too long on a Wednesday night it was getting later and later and I said are y'all there you gone home and she hollered gone home <laughs> I knew it was time to stop preaching so 
my wife said to me, Cherie, she said, what happened to you? I said, I don't know. I couldn't stop talking. It was like, I couldn't find the off switch on the remote. The remote has gone down the crack in the sofa and I can't find it. and I can't turn it off. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, I like what Brother Hagin said about this. It, another thing about the spirit of fear is that it's not from God. How's that? It's not the Lord warning you. Now, we can get a warning from the Lord, but you know, a warning from the Lord doesn't carry fear with it. A warning from the Lord is just a warning and a, and, and, and a piece of information that's downloaded into your spirit by the Holy Ghost to tell you don't take that road or wait a minute before you leave or uh, pick another flight or whatever. And that's a war. There's not fear with it. But when there's fear with it, it's from the devil. And so Brother Hagin used to say, why would you want anything that's not from God? <laughs> okay, I thought that was brilliant. But of power, what has he given us instead of the spirit of fear? Power. Now this is obviously talking in the same area of the mind, the soul. So power, power in your mind, power in your soul, amen. And of love, perfect love, cast out all fear, the Bible says. And of a sound mind. Which indicate, like I said, that guy that got the exploratory surgery and got the horrible, terrifying news that he was healthy as a horse. He was truly disappointed. I have an, I had another friend that passed away um, at age 50 of unknown causes. They never could figure it out. And at age 40, he told me, a pastor friend, I won't make it past 50. I said, would you stop saying that? There's something wrong with me. I said, you, you're right. There's something wrong with you. And it's in your head. And he goes, no. So he went to every doctor in the southeast nearly to get examined. Uh, well, I've got heart disease. They did every test. Your heart's healthy. Uh, I've got cancer. Well, they did every test. We can't find one cell. That's abnormal in your whole body. Well, I've got poisoning from something. Well, they po they did poisoning tests. Nothing wrong with him. He never had anything wrong with him. He spent all kinds of money trying to find something wrong with him. That's why the Bible says that's not a sound mind. I'm telling you, if you start getting gripped with some kind of unreasonable craziness, fear, you uh, uh, that's opposite of faith, the spirit of faith. Um, the spirit of fear will paralyze you and you can't do the will of God and you can't even enjoy life and you can't move forward. You can't be creative. You can't do anything because you're gripped with fear. And that, the Bible calls that crazy. <laughs> because what's the opposite of a sound mind? Quack, wacky. Screw loose. Lost your marbles. 
These are all politically incorrect terms. <laughs> but we get it, right? Nutsoid. Schizoid. <laughs> Dumber in a bag of hammers. I don't know. Where does it stop, right? Elevator doesn't go to the top. The lights are on, no one's home. I don't know. You know, it goes on and on and on. And that is the opposite of a sound mind. So the Bible really describes crazy as living in fear. And it's especially crazy for the child of God who's been redeemed from the curse. A thousand may fall. Well, people up and down the street have this problem. Well, a thousand may fall. Ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. Hallelujah. I'm not under the curse. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Abraham's blessings are mine. Well, I know, but Brother Horton, I just keep having this feeling. Well, overcome it with the Word. Get a different feeling. We can distract you by stomping on your toe. And then you wouldn't be thinking about that anymore, would you? You'd be thinking about your toe and a lawsuit. All right. Are y'all getting anything out of this? So then we, so we under, how many understand, you think you got a grip on the spirit of fear, what that is, and, and, you know, we all know how bad that is, don't we? Uh, and how unnerving it is. Uh, look at, uh, Hebrews 4, 6. How am I doing, Scarlet? Hebrews 4, 6. Um, let me show you how, how the lack of faith. Now, you know, the Hebrew, Hebrews is the great faith book in my, in my mind, uh, in, in, in the way I see the word. And Hebrews gives us, of course, the great definition of faith and all that. Don't have time today to go into that. But Hebrews tells us that, uh, Uh, that faith is a requirement. That It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Isn't that something? Now, the reason for that is, you know, Ephesians 2.8 tells us that um, we are saved by grace through faith. So you can't even get saved without faith. You know, when the faith movement began to come along and uh, the books and the preaching the radio and the media and crusades of faith meetings, uh, there were folks who did not receive it. Uh, even in Pentecost, it was fought against and, and made fun of, called name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and, you know, and whatever. And like one sister said, uh, James Blackwood's sister, <laughs> she said, um, Anybody heard of James Blackwood? He was Mr. Gospel Music. Uh, his sister, uh, who had been, <laughs> she got filled with the Holy Ghost in Mississippi in a brush arbor way back in the 30s. Praise God. 
and, 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 and Lena, and she said, don't name, you know, with that soft Mississippi accent, she said, well, don't name it and don't claim it and don't get it either. <laughs> and I said, that's right. What did Jesus mean when he said you have what you say? You know, I've asked that a, a lot of a lot of people that were mad about the faith message. I said, well, what does that mean? And then they just stare at you and their head shakes, you know. So uh, anyway, a lot of folks, you know, you know, came against the, the faith message because I guess they didn't understand it and said, well, you know, this faith business, this is crazy. You know, God, God's going to give you what he wants you to have and that's it and forget it. And I said, well, that's not what Jesus said. Uh, and he said, if you, if, if you, ha- if you lack something, ask God for it. And it, and the, the literal translation says, uh, and this was from PC Nelson, who was the great theologian in the assemblies of God. He said, um, uh, God, what that's literally saying is if God doesn't have it, he'll make it for you. Praise God. Isn't that great? Have you ever gone to, buy a new pair of shoes or something and 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 they said well we don't have this in your size but we can order it for you amen and i think the factory if it's still going and that's the current model and they don't have it in stock they'll make it for you well that's what god is saying about his whole world and kingdom if i don't have it i'll make it for you amen say well i don't believe in that well then i don't know how you get saved because the bible tells us again in romans 10 that confession is made unto salvation or righteousness. Confession with the man, with the with the heart, man believeth, and with the mouth he confesses. So faith is required to even get saved. Well, I don't know if I believe in this faith business. Well, then go to hell. So that's what's going to happen to you if you don't get some faith to believe. Praise the Lord. That's a little rough, but it's the truth. So you, you know, I, I, people just don't understand. Anyway, so, so the, the truth is, without faith, the book of Hebrews is clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But, so the lack of faith can stop the will of God from coming to pass in your life. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. Oh, no, Brother David, now God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Well, and he always gets his way. No, he doesn't. Because the Bible says that many will perish. And God's not willing that even one perishes. So that shows you God doesn't get his way just because it's his will. We, he needs our cooperation. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel... Uh, limited God with their unbelief. And it says the same thing here in Hebrews 4, talking about entering into his rest, which means into the blessing, into Abraham's blessing, all those things, uh, into the promised land, which is, by the way, is not the promised land, doesn't start in heaven, it's completed in heaven, but the promised land is not heaven. The promised land is walking in the kingdom of God. Amen. So from the time you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're in the promised land. You're living in Canaan's land. Like the old song, living in Canaan's land, Egypt behind. 
And But some Christians still are living in Egypt and thinking they're going to cross Jordan and get over to the promised land when they die. A lot of songs talk about that. Crossing Jordan, getting out of this world down here below, nothing but trouble and trial. Here we are down in the pits. But one day over yonder, glory to God, we're going to, you know, no, listen, it's going to be glorious in heaven, but it can be a touch of glory here. Amen. You can have heaven inside now. Woo! Praise the Lord. You don't have to wait till you die to get a blessing. Preach, pastor. So we're living in Canaan's land now. Like, like, you know, that was a, just because songs are old doesn't mean they're good. And just because they're new doesn't mean they're good. But there are some old songs that are good. And we sing the ones that are good. Some of them I can't sing because the words are so horrible. But the, the, this one, and, and so don't you think everything we sing in church should be like scriptural, kind of, sort of, at least semi. Just a scotch of scripture. But uh, that's a good one. Living in Canaan's land, Egypt's behind. Crossed over Jordan. You know, my soul is satisfied. That's what that song says. You know, living in Canaan's land. And Egypt is behind me. But it's so this is what we're talking about here. So Hebrews 4, 1, let us therefore fear, meaning, meaning here's something to fear, a healthy fear of this like you have of a snake, a promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. You need to fear that you will come short of the rest of God or the blessing. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Y'all listening to this? You could be in a faith-preaching, faith-believing, miracle-working church and never get any blessing of it, even though it's preached to you, if you don't mix faith with it. Well, I just whatever the Lord wants. You know what that is? It's laziness. It's, I don't want to bother with this, so uh, whatever happens is fine with me. Okay, that's like sitting down at a restaurant and the waitress comes and says, are y'all ready to order? Well, whatever you want me to have, I'll just eat that. Well, let me just scrape off from this table over here. That's so ridiculous. The word preached did not... Pro- and people think they're being humble by saying that, and they're getting some kind of brownie point. Listen, there's no brownie points to be won. Jesus gave them us all to us. The game is over. <laughs> you don't get brownie points from God. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And people think like this. Well, maybe the Lord will like me better if I just don't care. Yeah, find chapter and verse for that. And no, you can't read from the first Christian Reformed Church, John Calvin book. You have to read from the Bible. Amen. The word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. 
You have to mix faith with it. It says the Word, the Word of God, the, the will of God, the perfect plan of God was preached to them. How many believe the Word's anointed? It's got life. Preached to them and it did not profit them. Why? Well, it wasn't the Lord's will, obviously. No, because, <laughs> no, because not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Faith is the activator of God's Word. I'm going to say, I've never said that. That just came right out of my spirit. But faith is the activator of God's Word. You ever, you ever bought some kind of chemical or glue or something and, and you had to mix two pieces together to make it work at bond? If you, if you just put the powder, it doesn't do anything. And if you just put the goo, it doesn't do anything, but you mix them together and you've got something that works. One of them is called the activator, usually. This is the chemical that activates everything in this formula. Amen? For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. If the work's been done, folks, you don't have to go do the work. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and, and, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and uh, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of not God's will, does it say that? Not be, because of the devil? Because of, no, unbelief. Because of unbelief. Folks, I'm reading right out of the Bible. And I didn't make this up. Well, I don't know if I like this or not. I don't care. Tell God about it. Send Him an email. Give a bad review for the church. I don't care. I'm just telling you. Enter not in because... How many believe the Word is the Word? You can't change it to what fits your group. Entered not in because of unbelief. Again, again he limiteth a certain day, saying to David, in David, today after so long a time, as it is said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So, praise God, how to keep from having a hardened heart. That, that's a whole other sermon. Because Jesus... Before You know the last thing he told the disciples before he left? He says, your hearts are hardened. Now think of that. We know, we know Judas was a problem. Peter was problematic from time to time. But the rest of them were pretty good. And Jesus told the whole bunch of them, your, your hearts are hardened. Because you remember not, you have forgotten the miracle, not of the blind person, not of the leper, but the miracle of the loaves and fishes. For some reason, that miracle has been isolated by Jesus as the final miracle he talked to them about before he left. Isn't that interesting? 
That'll preach and study. Pastor Scarlett could do great with that one. He said, your heart's hardened because you forgot the miracle of the loaves and fishes, where Jesus literally took almost nothing and made something spectacular out of it. Glory. So when we, thank you, when we start, for when we begin to forget the miracles of the past, and we forget the deliverance, and we forget the great things that God has done for us in our lives, and we become hardened in our hearts, that's when fear sets in, and we get completely out of the will of God. And then we start making decisions based on that fear, instead of faith. And then we're in trouble. All right. One more verse of Scripture is in Numbers 14. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Praise God. Good. Amen, brother. Numbers 14. It's helping me. Numbers is way back over here. Praise the Lord. Okay, wait, let me find my verse. Yeah, okay. No, I want you just to look at Numbers 14, 24. Now, let me set this up for you just a second. Y'all, y'all got two more minutes? I'm a little, I'm, I'm thinking I'm pretty good on our time. Your restaurant ain't going to open until 1130 anyway, so <laughs> just calm down. Now, this story, before I read this final great verse because this is the this is the icing on the cake this verse and inspires me every time i hear it and this is the bunch that hebrews is referring to about that they didn't enter into rest they didn't enter into canaan's land they didn't enter into the promised land because of unbelief it wasn't because of lack look at that it wasn't because there was not provision it wasn't because God hadn't made a way. Because He made a way, didn't He? Right through the Red Sea. I mean, it wasn't because He didn't make a way. It wasn't because there wasn't provision. It wasn't because He didn't keep His promise. It wasn't because the devil hindered. It wasn't for any other reason than unbelief as a result of fear. Spirit of faith. Everybody say spirit of faith. Because the spirit of faith is also not an entity. The spirit of faith is not, you know, an angel flapping with faith on the, you know, tattooed. And we believe in angels. No problem. I'm just telling you, this is not talking about an entity of faith. A spirit, in other words, a mind set, a mentality, amen, a belief system, a thought system, spirit of faith. So, you know the story. They sent out spies to uh, spy out the promised land. And they came back, and this is the way it always is with everything we believe God for. It's always this. So they go out and spy out the land. How many's ever done this? Something, you know, something better for yourself in some way. Spiritually, physically, financially, materially, whatever it is that you need, you spy out the land. And they come back with the report, right? The spies came back 
with the report that, and they brought back evidence of what they were saying. It wasn't just, now we would say photographs or whatever. It wasn't just hearsay or let's uh, evangelistically <laughs> stretch this out. <laughs> Evangelists know we're, we're always guilty of stretching the numbers. Fifty people were at the meeting and you'd come back with 500,000, you know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, they got this glowing report of the promised land, right? Remember, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a good land. It's got grapes the size of your head, you know. I mean, it's just like amazing. So it took two men to bring one of the clusters of grapes back. If you go to Israel and go to the gift shop after the museum, they always run you through the gift shop at the end. Uh, you can buy olive wood carvings. Anybody ever seen those, you know, somewhere? Some pastor usually has them if he's been to Israel. Of 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 the 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 two uh, Israelites holding the holding the the branch with the olives carved out of olive wood. Praise the Lord, made in China. But anyway, the cheaper ones are from China. China, like Donald Trump. China, you know. Anyway, so they're <laughs> they're they're bringing the they're bringing this. My Lord, look at those grapes. We we don't have grapes like that here. Uh, in, in bondage in Egypt land. We, yeah, well, look at these grapes. Woo! Okay. And then, you know, and talked about the, all the beauty and all the produce and everything that was available, you know, from this promised land. And they said, it's a beautiful land. And then the other spy said, however, now see, this is the way it always is. I just want to warn you, it's always like this. How many can testify that it's always like that? That there's good news of what you investigated to use your faith on, and then there's always a yeah, but. Now the trouble with yabbits yeah, is they produce like rabbits. They reproduce like rabbits. Yabbits and rabbits are all the same. Yes! It was like us buying this building. Those of us who were here during that time, we know we didn't have money to buy the front door. Can I get a witness? Is it true? Am I making this up? We didn't have money to buy the front door. And the Lutherans, God bless them, said, How many do you have in your church? I kind of lied and said 30. More like 18. But, I did, but sometimes we had 30. So, God forgave me for stretching. I'm an evangelist. I saw 30. Some of them quite wealthy. Not, no, not really. Not, you know, not what you're thinking, you know. Just folks. Well, okay. Well, here's the name of a 
the guy's handshaking. Here's the name of a mortgage company that helps churches, you know, eyes, eyebrows up. I said, we don't, I don't need that. I don't want, I don't need the card. Why? We're paying cash. So I got in my car right here in this parking lot. I got in my car and I said, David Horton, are you out of your mind? You just told you don't even have a building fund started. There's not 10 cents. Check all, check under the sofa cushions and see what's there to buy that. I'm not saying I was broke or poverty stricken, but I mean, we didn't have extra, we were paying the bills, but we didn't have any extra, extra anything. And the Lord inspired the body of Christ. The Lord told me what to say. Put a thing on Facebook. It was not GoFundMe. Don't you accuse me of that. I didn't do that. It was not GoFundMe. It wasn't, please, won't you help us program. It was just tell the story, what you're going to do, what the need is, the headquarters for David Horton Ministries and a church building for the church. You know, just tell the story. And he said, I will, I will tell people. And I'm telling you, we got money. A Chinese missionary who has orphanages in China sent in a thousand dollars. And others, I'm telling, I'm just trying to illustrate from all over the world. We had wealthy people and those that weren't wealthy contribute. All of you contributed. Amen. I'll tell you, in a hundred and twelve days, we had close to $500,000 sitting in the bank. And we paid cash. And the closing took 10 minutes. Now, it actually took 13 because I slowed it up by asking for a... Xerox copy of one of the papers that, you know, they weren't going to give me and I wanted that. So I said, can you make a copy on this? So I slowed it up three minutes. In 13 minutes, and y'all know, and Jerry Lee was in the truck or whatever, and I don't know who all, Jerry, in the U-Haul truck with all of our stuff that had been in Jerry Lee's garage in Pinellas Park, and they were sitting over here by the building in the parking lot, and I made the phone call. I've got the key. How many remember that glorious day? And we walked. When we set foot on this property on on that day, we owned it. With no owing no man anything save to love him. Now I am telling you, that's a miracle. Scarlett, that's a miracle. And I keep talking about it, and I will always talk about it because it was such a witness to me that, that you don't have to have some big huge plan. Oh my Lord, you can hire consultants, consulting firms for churches up the yin yang. I mean, pay them thousands of dollars to come up with some goofy plan that you pay on for the next 49 years. I'd just rather trust God. Y'all still here? 
Praise the Lord. Every month, I thank God, I don't have to write out some huge fat mortgage check to some bank for our church building. Just pay the little bill and praise the Lord. We just bump right along. It's beautiful. And it's for the pastor, it's stress-free, let me tell you. Woo! Oh, glory to God. So they go to the promised land and it's beautiful and the milk and honey. It's like walking in here, you know, oh yeah, this is nice. And then somebody says, yeah, but. Now here comes the yabbits. Oh my God. If you find one yabbit, you're going to find three or four, five, six, seven, eight of them. If you keep putting out cabbage, they're going to just keep reproducing. <laughs> Gotta watch the abbots, they'll take over your garden. So, yeah, but what about the money? Yeah, but what about the cost? Yeah, but what about, you know, on and on. And that's just what happened. So these spies go, yeah, that's true, there's huge grapes, but there's also giants, Anax. And the worse than Anax are the children of the Anax. If you've ever met people that were problematic, their children are worse. Yeah, Uncle Ted and Aunt Alice are coming. Oh, are they bringing their dun 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 children with them? Yeah. And their three, and their chickens and a goat. And a donkey. Oh, that's fantastic news. I think I'll go have a colonoscopy that weekend. So anyway, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, it's always, yeah, but, yeah, but, it's good news, but, there's Anax, and even worse, the children of the Anax. You ought to see them, and they're giants, and there's walled cities, and we are as grasshoppers in, in our minds, and we think we're grasshoppers in their eyes too, and so, forget it, we can't, we can't take the land. That God, who never lies, told us belong to us. But thank God, whoa, <laughs> for the spirit of faith. I wish I had symbols. Come on, get me a set of symbols. Bam! But my servant Caleb, look at what look at what God said. He already went read Hebrews. They ain't coming. These people, the Yabbit Club, is not welcome. And they didn't go, folks. They died in the wilderness. But look at this. But my servant Caleb, because, did you wear anything to shout in today? Shouting clothes. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, 
and hath followed me fully. So God says when we're in faith, we're following Him fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto He went, and His seed, not the Yabbits, shall possess it. Woo! You see, that's why, that's why that Scripture is the icing on the cake. Yeah. How about you? You got the spirit of fear, the spirit of faith. I got a spirit of faith, I'm telling you right now. Go ahead and call me names. He's one of those faith preachers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for noticing. He's one of those name it and claimants. Amen. Thank you for noticing. He believes in prosperity and blessing. Yes. It beats poverty and sick. <laughs> Doesn't it? Like one guy said, I've, I've been, I've been broke and I've been rich and rich is better. I've been sick and I've been healed and healed is better. Yeah. Anybody here ever been sick and you got over it? Boy, it feels good the day you get over it, doesn't it? Or if the doctor helps you some way, some way to help you feel better, isn't that a relief? Alka-Seltzer. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Amen. And that's the way the Word of God's our Alka-Seltzer for our soul. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is to get the Word and to have the spirit of faith and overcoming. Amen. We have overcome... You know what our testimony in heaven's gonna be? It's about overcoming. Our testimony in heaven is, is I have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And you know what the word of my testimony is? I have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We're gonna, when we get to heaven, we're gonna all testified it. We'll have an eternity to sit and listen to every believer's story of what they overcome, how they overcame poverty, how they overcame sickness, how they overcame the devil, how they overcame uh, somebody trying to murder them, how they overcame and walked out of a traffic accident with a mangled vehicle and not a scratch on them. In 1948 or whatever. I mean, we're going to hear soldiers talk about how they overcame in the midst of battle. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing. We're not just going to sit around a little lake with a weeping willow tree in it and play a little harp music. That's the, that's the picture of heaven that religious people paint. Cling, 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 cling. So this is what we're going to do for the next, you know. No! We're going to testify, and we're going to sing praises. You know, we sing about, I heard about a mansion. He is built for me in glory. You know, that appeals to us from this earthly standpoint. But I believe when we get to heaven, we're not going to care so much about that mansion. I mean, it'll God will, will, will razzle and dazzle us. But I'm telling you what, it's not going to be about mansions. It's not going to be about streets of gold. It's not going to be about pearly gates. It's going to be about the splendor and glory that's emanating from the throne. There's no need for the sun because the glory of, of Christ 
and the glory of God lights the sky. And we're not even gonna, we're not even gonna go, look at my crown, isn't it beautiful? I'm gonna go show it to Queen Elizabeth right now. It ain't that like that because the Bible says that we receive a crown of righteousness. And there's a soul winner's crown too. Some of us will have a stack crown. Others just a single. But the Bible says we will take our crowns. The, even our crown of righteousness will mean less to us than His face and His light and His love and His glory and His life. And we're going to take those crowns and cast them at our Savior's feet and say, no one here wears a crown except King Jesus. So it's not going to be the general officials walking around with a crown on their head. Oh Lord, I was the state overseer of Iowa in 92. Oh, praise God. It's not like that. Well, I got a front row seat at Brother Copeland's. <laughs> ah! We're going to take all of our earthly whatevers titles, degrees, names, and cast it at His feet and say, it's all about Him. Yeah. Well, there's some good preaching. If you can't shout on that, your shouter's broke. I want to say thank you for everybody that signed the birthday cards and your gifts. Very meaningful. Thank you. So Tuesday I turned 65, and so I'm going to preach bolder than ever this year. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you want to stand up and praise Him a minute before we go? I need to pray for the Internet audience. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You for those that are watching. We thank You for Your healing power. Those that have sickness or condition in their body and even in here i thank you for that uh, as hands you lay your hand on yourself or you have a need jesus will touch you in jesus name be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet i command blind eyes to open deaf ears to unstop lame legs to walk folks with circulatory problems and 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 other problems lord cancers and tumors to dry up and die Anybody that's tormented in their minds, the, the devil is rebuked. They have to, they have to think clearly. They have to be delivered. Thank you, Lord. Those that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and other abusive things. Lord, I thank you. Porn, whatever it is. I thank you for deliverance for them today. Lord, those that have a need in their, uh, financial material realm that you show yourself strong. Show them your will, how great that you can do and provide for them way more than they do for themselves. We thank you, Lord, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.